There was a, a man uh, that grew up in a land called Ur. Uh, Oz, rather, U-Z, U-Z. And, um, and this man, um, was the name, his name was Job. And the Bible talks about Job as being somebody very special. Not only was he special, but he was extremely wealthy. He had a lot of wealth. And a lot of theologians believe that the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible, that it precedes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and so on. So <clears throat> this man, the Bible says, had an incredible relationship with God, that he was righteous in all his ways, and that he was blameless before the Lord. And God had blessed him tremendously. One day, the Bible talks about Satan appears before God, and he comes as the accuser of the brethren. He cannot attack Job. He wants to bring Job down because he sees the favor of God that's on Job's life, and he wants to prohibit it. He wants to stop it. Satan always comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. If it doesn't have life in it, it ain't God, y'all. That's why we know that God's not in sickness. He's not in cancer because cancer brings destruction and kills. Somebody say amen. But God's not in that to teach you some Holy Ghost lesson or something. That's not God. God can't give you what God ain't got. So what you got to learn to do is not accept what the devil puts out there. I got five people clapping. Where y'all at this morning? I'm gonna, this, is, this is faith builders, y'all. We're going to shout. We're going to clap. There you go. So it's cold outside. I know what's going on. So just warm up a little bit. Here we go. So um, this, this, this Satan, the Bible says, goes before God to accuse God of protecting or overprotecting his servant Job. And, and, and even God says, have you seen the blessing that I poured upon my servant Job? And God was so excited about the fact that Job is doing it right, man. He's blameless and he's right. And I'm blessing him and I'm blessing him and I'm blessing him. He had a big family, bunch of kids, great wife, great life, obviously a good businessman. He was very wealthy. And um, he said, yes, Satan said, I have seen him, but I'm going to tell you something. If you ever allowed any type of attack to come to him, any type of suffering to come to Job, I promise you, he'll curse you. Because I know the heart of man, and man will back down when it comes to suffering. If you had any trial or tribulation, uh, in their lives, they will not serve you. They'll actually curse you. He said, I tell you what, you can't kill them, but I'll allow you for a season to bring attack. I'm going to make sure he's taken care of. He's not going to die, but I'll allow for a season just to show you that my man Job will serve me no matter what. The Bible says that the hedge of protection went down and, and here comes Satan to attack him. When Satan attacks, he doesn't come to you in red underwear, a pitchfork, horns, a nice goatee, and say, boogity, 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 I'm the devil. He doesn't do that, y'all. He doesn't come like that, but he'll come in the form of sickness and disease and calamity and disaster and destruction. So he had come to the, this Job, and the Bible says that unbeknownst to him that uh, having a great day, blue skies, whatever, nice. And uh, a messenger come running, Job. And um, he says, yes. He said, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but some marauders came and stole your oxen and all your donkeys. They were grazing and, and they came and took everything. And they killed every last one of your servants in that particular farm. 
He said, you're kidding me. He said, no, I'm not. He said, matter of fact, he said, um, I'm the only one that's left. I came to tell you. As he's speaking, another message just comes from the north. It says, Job, I got bad news. How many hates to hear bad news? I hate to hate the messenger, but sometimes you get a problem with the messenger having the bad news all the time. Another messenger comes and says, Job, something terrible has happened. Fire fell from heaven and consumed up all your sheep and all of your livestock and nothing is left. As he's speaking, another messenger runs out of nowhere, comes in, Job, Job, I got bad news to tell you. He said, marauders came, another group of marauders came and stole all of your camels and killed every last one of your servants. By the way, camels would have been a fleet of cars or limousines in those days. That's how you traveled back. That was like the Cadillac of the day and very expensive. All your camels are gone and killed all your servants. They're gone. He's just shaking his head. Well, this man is still speaking. By the way, everyone said, I'm the only one that's left. By the way, I'm thinking, what's on those guys that they were spared? Praise God. I mean, you ever notice when a plane goes down, when the plane goes down, they're looking for the black box so they get the recordings? I'm thinking, make the plane out of whatever you made was in that black box. Praise God. So when it goes down, everybody survives. That's what I'm thinking. What was on these guys that they had such favor that, that they survived? And another messenger comes and says, Job, I got bad news, terrible news. Oh, no, what? Your family, all your children were in one house because it was the time of the, fest, the festivals. And they were all in one house. And a strong wind came out of nowhere and knocked the pillars of the house down. And the roof came down and caved in on all your kids. And they're all dead. You talk about a bad day, y'all. And the whole time he's suffering, the Bible says that Satan put some sort of disease on him, skin ailment on him that was causing much pain and great boils were busting and cracking open and, and he was in an incredible amount of agony and suffering and pain all along missing. Everything he had was gone. He had his wife left, but she was the one saying, go ahead and curse God and die. And the Bible says that after Job had suffered many things, it wasn't for five years, it wasn't for 10 years. Theologians put it together probably around six to seven months. He went through all that suffering. At the end of it, God gave him double of everything he lost. The title of my message this morning is Get It Back. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare in this place, Lord God, prophetically, that everything the devil has stolen is coming back in Jesus' name. Let there be revelation knowledge, Lord God, that increases in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. Yes, Lord God, all coming together in unity, a culmination of the Spirit, until we know that we know that we know that you reign on high, you've seen everything, and recompense is coming from you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. And amen. Church, it didn't seem fair that Job had to endure what he went through. This may come as a shock to you. You might not know this, but life sometimes is not fair. It's not fair when someone lies about you and destroys your reputation. It's not fair that you're the good guy with a bad report and the bad guy gets a good report. 
It's not fair that you raised your kids in the house of God and every one of them turned out to be heathens. It's not fair that you give your tithe and offering with anticipation of the blessing of God while others steal from God and get to go on vacation. And if we really want God to continue to move us forward, we got to trust God that no matter what's going on, he will repay us back for everything the devil has stolen. Somebody say amen. Zechariah 9.12 says this. I love this scripture. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Do we have some people in the house watching online that will decide or make a decision to hope against hope no matter how bad it looks? You have a word from God and you're trusting God to bring that thing to pass. I wonder if we got some people that can shout in this place. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. God, put that back. There it is, Zechariah. You need to write that verse down. Get it in your spirit. Rehearse it every day that God says, I'm going to restore double to you. Everybody shout double. He'll give you double for your hurt. He gives you double for your pain. He gives you double for your disappointment. He gives you double for all that you've lost. He gives you double for your trouble. Someone shout double. And church, don't let one bad situation ruin the rest of your entire life. Don't allow it to define you and shape your destiny. Just because one bad thing happened doesn't mean it's the definition of who you are for the rest of your life. You've heard my story and it's, just, it's real. That's why I, I repeat it so often because sometimes I have to rehearse it myself and, and how my wife and I had gone to Madison to start a church and we couldn't really get it going. I mean, it was, it was working and, and there were a few things that happened, but you know, there was no real true hand of God upon it and we believed God with all our heart. That's why we were sent there to start that church and to do something great for God in that city. We were earnest about it. There was nothing phony about it. We wanted it so bad, like just, just as much as we want anything else. And God had always blessed what we, we did and it just seemed like, you know, everything we did worked and, and we got there and it just was not working. For 18 months, we were laboring there and I started getting an attitude with God and saying, God, what's the deal here? Why, why would you send me out here and there'd be little to no fruit? Has anybody ever had that experience in your life? Why would you do this? I would never walk through this door. If you would have told me not to go, I would not have gone. I mean, I'm trying to blame God, you know what I'm trying to say, for what I just felt like he, he called me to do. And, and it just wasn't working out that way. And so I, I begin to, uh, uh, like I said, develop this attitude with God so that I, I, I was like, Lord, you know, uh, you, know you, 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 you sent me out here and you've embarrassed me because in my life, you know, your fruit it brings is your success is who you are. Your fruit is who you are. But God was developing something different in me that my identity shouldn't be in the stuff I can produce, but my identity should be God who what? Who has called me and anointed me. And if I'm Noah and not one person gets saved, that's not my business. He preached for over 100 years and nobody got saved. Just he and his family was, y'all just looking at me still. Can I, can I get an amen out there somewhere? Praise God. Uh, and so, and so and my job is to do what he called me. My success is in my obedience to God. 
And if I saw no other way except for to go through Madison, then Madison was a door, regardless of the fruit. It didn't matter. That's where God had placed me at that time, my wife and I and my children. And so we were there, and like I said, and it was a very tough time. And most of you know the story, and I was preaching one day, and actually it's a nice little crowd that we developed that day. And it's a long story to even get to that place. And then, and then all of a sudden, I thought, well, I'm going to put my Bible down, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to come back and greet the people. So my office is just right off the platform. It's a small little facility. And, um, and so I, I do that. And when I go into the Spirit of God, meets me so strong and so powerful and so real. I start weeping, and I don't even know why I'm weeping. I just The presence of God was just all over me. I shut the door. I begin to weep at my desk. I said, God, what is it? What is it? And I had a vision. In the vision, I saw arms extended out of a cloud, all different colors of skin, motioning to me, saying, please come. We need you here. Please come. We need you here. And God said, I need you in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was just like that, y'all. In other words, come on, come on, come on, come on. This ain't a dream. We're living it right now. This is real. Amen. So what I did not do is I did not allow what happened to me in Madison, my wife and I happened to us in Madison, Wisconsin, to define who I was. I felt like a loser. I felt unsuccessful. I felt embarrassed. I felt less than. I felt like God had abandoned me. You ever felt like that before in your life? And instead, I allowed it to build me and grow me and produce me. And without, watch this. Now, I'll say it this way. It's not that you have to understand where I'm coming from. But without the failure of Madison, there couldn't be the success of Milwaukee. Walking. I had to walk through a season in my life where I had to depend on God and not what I could produce in my life. God is a God of restoration and God is a God of recompense. He may not seem fair, but he's always just. Everybody say he's always just. Now let's look at Joel chapter 2 verse 25. So he said, I will restore. Everybody say restore, please. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. It may look like your harvest has been completely decimated by the so-called spiritual locust in your life, but God says you're going to eat and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Watch this. And my people shall never be put to shame. He's going to remove the embarrassment off of you, the shame off of you. Then you shall know that I'm in the midst of Israel, and I'm the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Aren't you glad to know that God removes all that shame of your life? And he's going to cause you to be satisfied and have plenty of harvest. Let's look at Isaiah 61. By the way, Isaiah 61 verse 1, those that don't know, this is our mission as our church. God gave me this. The first message I preached here was at the Howard Johnson's on Layton Avenue. And I preached this, Isaiah 61. That, my, my notes was that scripture. I just preached the scripture as God put it in my heart. And it's been there ever since. It's our mission, our purpose, and our vision. Isaiah 61 verse 1. Then the Spirit of the Lord, God, he said, the Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the people bound captives and the open in prison of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God. We've been so good about doing that throughout the years. We could do better. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, that's the church, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. When they were up here praising God, 
I noticed something. Every one of them was smiling. Every one of them were smiling. And I know there are people on this platform that got some real serious life stuff. I know for a fact people have some serious stuff going on. But you could never tell by their faces. I'm so thankful that we got a praise and worship team that comes before us to give us a spirit of praise for heaviness. Somebody say amen. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's, we're supposed to break the power of that thing. Amen. That they may be called trees of righteousness. Who be called that? That's not good English, but who be called that? Who be called that are the ones who are mourning, the ones who are bound, the ones that, that, need, that are brokenhearted. He said, they, when they come, you call them trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that God may be glorified. So when we see people come in here, you're broken, despondent, hurting, whatever. We're not here to judge you. Matter of fact, we don't judge people in this church. We want to challenge you to get better and get stronger. But I ain't going to point a finger at you and I know my own problems in my own life. But here's what God says. You call them something they're not. Call them something they're not. A tree of righteousness. They may not look strong. But they're going to have deep roots in me. Somebody say Amen. That they, who's they? Again, those who don't, are not strong, those who are weak, those who are brokenhearted, those who are mourning, those that have uh, ashes instead of beauty and, and they, they have, they're despondent and heavy. He said, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up former desolations. Are you catching this so far? They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. God is not calling those that have everything together. All he's looking for is somebody who's willing to serve him, willing to go through the process. Come on, y'all. Willing to do what he asks you to do. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have a genius IQ, have a Mensa level. You ain't going to have the right color skin. If you just have a heart that says, I'm going to serve God, God will use you. Psalms 30, verse 5, his anger, God's anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Somebody shout joy. Shout joy. You may be stressed today, but joy comes in the morning. You may be discouraged today, but joy comes in the morning. You may feel a little bit overwhelmed, but joy comes in the morning. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. When the devil comes strong at you like he did at Job, just begin to go, ha, 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 ha. Oh, you think you're going to take me down? You don't know my God. Shout joy. Keep in mind that what you're going through is no surprise to God. It's not like you caught God off guard. It's not like you can change and say, well, you could if you want to, but you shouldn't. Like as if God didn't know what was about to happen. Just know that God knew the day you were going to get the bad news. Even if you got four pieces of bad news that were devastating in one day, God knew what you were going to be up against. But he already had a plan for your deliverance. And he said, it will not take your life. He knows the end from the beginning. He's already orchestrated your comeback. 
Don't let a setback make you sit back. But with God, just know he's prepared for you to get a comeback. And actually, your setback is a setup from God. And God is making a way for you where there seems to be no way. This is what God does so he can get all the glory. Somebody say amen. And for weeks now, weeks, I've been prophesying that we, not just uh, us as a people, but the church in general, and even in America, we are at the precipice. We are singing two songs today about the move of God. And by the way, I think it's the first time we sang our new song was today. I thought it sounded just as good as the album, my God. I was like, are they, are they, I thought they were lip syncing, praise God. It's perfect, it's awesome. And, um, and so we're talking about the move of God. And someone said, I could feel someone go, well, uh, we don't sense no move of God, that's for sure. Feel like the hell has come up against us. You gotta understand what God's actually doing behind the scenes. And I said, prophetically, we are at, a, at the place of the Red Sea. And it is true, you can't go forward. But, and you can't go backwards. What? We got Pharaoh coming at us to kill us. Can't go forward because there's, there's a Red Sea, man. And so God says, what are you crying about for me to me for? Take your rod, stretch it over that sea, and divide it. Take my word, my promise that I gave you, and speak my word over your dilemma and over your problem, and watch and see what I'm going to do for you. And he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord your God. For the enemy, the enemy that you see today, you shall see again no more forever. So what looked like your demise was actually God going to do a work, a breakthrough to get you on the other side and draw your enemies into it and take them out once and for all. And by the way, God doesn't, when God said 400 years you've been in cruel bondage or you've been in a slave in cruel bondage, he said, I'm not going to just set you free. God works greater than that. God works deeper than that. I'm not just going to set you free, but I'm the God of restoration and I'm the God of restitution. And I'm going to give you wages you earned for 400 years and one failed swoop. In other words, the Bible says they stripped the wealth of Egypt, knocked on every Egyptian door and said, can we borrow your silver? Can we borrow your gold? And we'd like to have some of your tapestries as well. Why, sure. you. Who does that in their right mind? Who's going to loan money to a bunch of slaves? God did a miracle. God did a miracle. They took all the wealth of Egypt on their way out. And when Pharaoh woke up and realized they were bankrupt as a nation, it wasn't about getting just slaves back. He had to get the money back. But when God calls them to go across the dry ground and make it to the other side and took them, took their wheels, took their chariot wheels off and then took them all out in the water, it was a supernatural thing. Once it happened, it was what? Supernatural debt cancellation. Is anybody up for grabs for some debt cancellation in your life? To owe no man nothing but to love him. We're going to pay, I don't care, in the middle of a pandemic, we are going to pay this building off in the name of Jesus for his glory and for his honor. Somebody say amen. This is where you've got to learn to shake off the defeat. You gotta learn to shake off that embarrassment and that shame. You gotta learn to shake off the hurt, shake off the injustice, and get ready for the next greatest move of God in your life. Job had to shake it off because he was rattled, y'all. He got bad news. I'm telling you, the rest of it he'll live with, but his children, everything, come on, y'all, that's a bad day. And here's the deal 
He was a praying man. But the adult children need to learn to be praying over their own lives and their own families. Mama, Dad, I'm so grateful for you, praise God. But we, we need to teach our children that when they are adults, they got to learn to pray for themselves and their own families. Somebody say amen. And I mean, it's heavy on him. It's so heavy on him. He just doesn't want to live another, another day. And you can study the book of Job. But I, I, I'll tell you this, uh, you know, go in and pray it up because it's kind of a depressing book a little bit. And, 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 and it's tough for him. And, and his friends are just, they're just, uh, they're mad at him and offended by him, but what he's saying. And then his wife says, just curse God and die. I mean, you're just in so much, uh, you're suffering so much. Just get it over with. You're about ready to die anyways. And this is what he said, though he slay me, Yet shall I praise him. Though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. I wonder if we got some people in this room today and those watching right now that got a spirit of faith about them and says, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care. I don't care what happens, but God says enough is enough. That's up to him, but I'm going to trust him all the way to the end. Church, God is keeping the books. He knows all and he sees all. And James 5, 4 says this, and I love this. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who, who, who mowed your fields. Listen to this, church. Prophetically, with all my heart, I believe this is another place we're at right now. I really believe that. There are moments in time for this. I believe this is another one of those moments in time. Watch this. Let's read it again. Indeed, the, this is New Testament. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. In other words, they did not get paid what they were supposed to get paid. And he said, this is what's interesting. God says, those wages cry out. They're in somebody else's hand, and they're not supposed to be in their hand. They're supposed to be in my people's hand. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth. Well, is the Lord of the Sabbath some other Lord, some other God? Is that what it's saying there? No. God reveals himself by revelation, his identity of who he is. And one of the revelations of who he is is the Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath means this. It indicates the God who goes in and puts on armor and goes to war against those who hold his favor back from his people, who goes to war on behalf, puts his armor on, and goes to war on behalf of those who have been defrauded of their wages, of things they should have earned, the promotion they should have got. You ain't hearing me now. You ain't hearing me right now. I'm talking about things for years that God saw that you didn't get, that you earned, and maybe you just think you didn't even earn that, but God saw that you did earn that, and he says, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to put it, I'm going to, hey, everybody shout this. It's time to get it back. Look at your neighbor and say, get it back. Let me just say, because your situation is going on for a while, the Lord of Sabbath is now fighting on your behalf, but the problem is in the emotional place, in the mind, it weighs on you, man. It's tough on your psyche when you're not seeing advancement after years of, quote unquote, doing the right thing, but it's not working out the way you thought it should work out. And there are many of you that have lost your passion. I can see in your face this morning. I mean, I see it. It's like I can see it just dipped, poof. And you've lost your passion, and you're thinking that this is how your life is always going to be. I want to prophesy and just say this. Go ahead and turn another page. There's a whole new chapter 
you're about to enter into your life. Can I prophesy that to you this morning? And it's adventurous and it's exciting and it's thrilling and it's rewarding. Let me just say, you have lost enthusiasm for a while, but you made it to this day. You're here and you're hearing me say to you that God's about to do something. You're going to get it back. And I'm going to prophesy this as well and say it is payback time. And those that can receive that by faith, you're going to watch and see God begin to do this and this and this. Mm, I, got a, I can't share a testimony. I just got a testimony on Thursday. Right before we went to, uh, we went on the air uh, live for, for our Thursday night live. And we met with a couple. And I'm going to tell you something. When I'm, it's going to come out. It is amazing what God can do with those who have been faithful and faithful. It's like they went through this period of like, God, where are you? What's going on? I mean, from, I mean, from marriage to finances to health to you just, I mean, relationships, all kinds of things. And yet God was still being faithful, but it was hard. My wife preached a message a long time ago about can you trust him when you can't trace him? But they were still trusting him even though they couldn't trace him. But they had his word as a guiding light. And they just kept moving forward and kept being, being obedient with God. Now it's like the floodgates of favor have opened over their life. And I can't wait to share that testimony with you. But get ready. Payback is coming. And we're going to get it back. Double for our trouble. Someone say amen. Your joy is coming back. Your peace is coming back. Your health is coming back. Your wealth is coming back. Relationships are coming back. Your business ideas are coming back. Ministry is coming back. You name it. Everybody shout, I'm back. I'm back. You got to shake it off. Matter of fact, just take your, like this, just like this. And now bounce a little. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Shake it off. Everybody say, shake it off. Shake off the disappointment in your life in Jesus' name. Shake it off. Paul, just, they just got out of shipwreck. Paul said, no one's going to die. No one's going to die. Angel appeared to me last night. You know, when an angel appears to me, I, want him to, I don't want to be shipwrecked. Just take the ship supernaturally, skip it across the waters in the storm and put me safely ashore. He said, we're going to lose everything. The angel said, <laughs> angel said we're gonna, you're going to lose everything. The ship is going to break apart. Grab a board. Hang in there. You'll be there about three days and three nights in the deep. Miss a few meals. But in the end, you will survive. I'm thinking, just take me home. Hallelujah. I'm coming home, Elizabeth. Let me go. I don't want to be a shark and fist of water for three days and three nights. But the angel said, you're not going to die. I told everybody, you won't die. Well, they made it. They made it to shore. After the ship had fallen apart, not one soul was lost on that ship. And they went, of course, they're, they're tired, they're hungry, and they take some of the wood that they found on the beach, and they start providing, they build a fire and providing heat for them to dry and keep warm. And so he goes over to warm himself, Paul does. As he goes to warm himself, a viper, the Bible says, snapped out of that fire and grabbed a hold of his arm, his hand, and latched onto him, pumping that venom. Viper means a venomous snake. Pumping that venom inside of the arm of Paul. And everybody's like, oh, Jesus. Oh, God. What kind of curse does this man have? God's trying to kill this boy. What did he do? I mean, he was on a ship. The whole thing falls apart. And now he didn't die there. God's like, I won't get you, boy. See, people think that when it comes to stuff, God's like trying to teach somebody a lesson. They were superstitious. They said, oh, my God. He's going, watch this. The people didn't try to help him. They stepped back to watch him die. 
That's like people in our lives sometimes. When you go through trouble, they can't wait to step back and watch you go through your troubles. See, I told you, he was getting a little bit too big for his britches. They thought they were all that. They came in a little money, and now they think they're this. And Oh, God, God trying to take a look. There must be the judgment of God on them. Talk to everybody on social media behind your back. Pick up a phone, call them, talk to them, have lunch about you. Now watch this. He knew he couldn't depend upon them. The Bible says he went, oh, that hurt. Ah. And the Bible says he shook it off. They thought he was going to die. He said, bring me on some food. Praise God, I'm ready to eat something. And he was fine and God spared his life and he went before King Agrippa and preached the gospel just like the angels said. By the way, you've got to shake off what others have said about you behind your back. God's about to promote you in spite of what they said about you. And let me say this too. One thing you need to get deliverance of is people's opinions and what they think about you. Who cares what they think about you? People label you. And they can't wait to put you in a box. Then they want to talk about, well, I, I, everybody loves me and my, my friends. We're all cool, man. Uh-huh. You think they're cool with you. But as soon as you walk away, they're bop, 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 bop in someone else's ear about you. Uh-oh. You don't look to your left and don't look to your right. Hallelujah. Just know, have you ever went to lunch and dipped into a conversation? No one's going to admit it. Okay. But you were in earshot and they were chewing somebody up that they knew together. And they're like, yeah, and then they said this, and I just told them, I'm, and I'm thinking, you think, you didn't say any of those things to that person at all. You acted so big like you said, so you didn't say nothing. And, and, they're, and, they're, and, and they start chewing another person up. People have, a, have, a, have this inside of them that they want to feel better about their own lives. So they got to put somebody else down. When you're in my presence, we ain't talking about nobody else but you and me, our families, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe about ministry or whatever, but it's going to be about advancing. It ain't going to be about other people. The only time me and this staff ever talk about other people in this church are things that we have to solve, issues that are going on. It's not for gossip. It's to understand the situation so we can deal with it properly. And that's the only way it should be for you too. Somebody say amen to that. Everybody say, shake it off. Psalms 23 verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, even when there's a viper on my hand. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, that uh, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, what's it saying? He said he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That means you get used to what? Eating what God supplies, the fruit he gives you, even when your enemies are all around clenching their teeth and angry and mad at you. Just smile and say, would you like a chicken bone? I don't know what you're saying. Whatever. Would you like some lasagna? This is what God has provided today. Amen. My point is this, is it doesn't matter what they think. There's always going to be an enemy. Let me make this statement. You're getting ready to get everything back that the enemy has stolen from you and a whole lot more. In the middle of a pandemic where Wisconsin has been hit pretty hard this last month and all of that, and I'm going to say something too. I thank God for modern medicine. Don't you? Because not everybody has faith. I feel like I got a gift of faith for this thing. I do my part. I, I wash my hands. I wear my mask in the store. I'm conscious about certain things and try to stay distancing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I do my part. But I, I, I can't rely on that. I got to trust God. So Psalms 91, elder people, that's what I do every day of my life. 
Saul, I, every day I get a revelation. He said, no pestilence shall come nigh my dwelling. A thousand may fall on my side, 10,000 on my right hand, but it shall not come near me. I'm not like the rest of the world. So we claim our healing. We claim it for, our, for, for our, us, our children, our grandkids, and our, and our church family, and all of that. And I don't disparage your It's real. It's not that we're saying it's not real. I do my part, but I got to trust God at the same point. So do you. But I do thank God that we are going to have uh, the beginning of our vaccine by the end of this year, and our elderly are going to get it, and I think all the essential workers like uh, hospital uh, uh, people and doctors and frontline people are going to get it. Praise God. That's going to help stop some of this, and even more, it's going to keep making it, amen, and we're going to get some of you, I know, afraid Christians are, get, Christians are getting more and more conspiratorial these days, and I think it's because we don't always trust government, don't always trust what man says to us. I don't think that's all bad. But I think we need to be careful that we don't go down these rabbit holes to where we don't trust certain things. Now, I haven't studied this out enough to tell you uh, right from wrong as far as taking it or not taking it. But the good news is it appears that out of the study, nobody has died. There's been no serious reactions to anything. And it looks like it's going to be a pretty good thing. And if that be the case, I think a lot of fear is going to be lifting off of people. Because I, being a spiritual leader and seen from the word of God, believe that this thing has been driven more by fear than any other thing. It's fear. It's that daily. When they started putting that death ticker out, and oh my God, it got real. But they didn't do that over the flu, the regular flu. And more people died of that than of COVID. But the fear was, but there's no answer. We have no solution. We have no vaccine. That, that's, that drove this thing and drove this thing and we didn't understand it quite and all that. But I'm telling you folks, thank God even the natural, we're going to get some answers and we can get our church back and get some, I love being online by the way, that'll never stop. Matter of fact, it's going to continue to grow. But I can't wait to get our brothers and sisters back and everybody coming together as one so we can actually share because there's something about that konania, that fellowship we have with each other. If I was the devil, I would have released COVID. I would have done that because it stops the church from advancing. It stops people from getting together. We don't have the unity. We don't lay hands upon the sick. All this stuff stops. So thank God, even in the natural, we're getting some answers. But can I tell you, we've got nothing to fear. And, 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 and 90, was it 99.8% survival out of this thing? Again, higher for the regular food with death. And watch this. Do we know that there's going to be something? Don't, 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 I'm not prophesying. Two years, there might be something worse that might come across in the world. We live in a strange time with very bad, evil actors out there. And we're going to start walking this word out, y'all. I mean, really walking it out with no fear in faith. What are you afraid of? Death? You afraid to die? I'm afraid of suffering. I don't like suffering. Death? No problem. I'm ready to go right now. I, I want my, I love my wife. She's looking at me like, right now? You're right now, baby. I love my wife. I love my kids. I never, but, but are you kidding me? Death is the door to heaven and being with him every second. Of, <laughs> Listen, don't be selfish. The people you try to get resurrected, they don't want to come back. Am I right? Dave is in glory. He loves you. There's going to be such a reunion when you get together. But he ain't trying to come back. Go back in that body? No. I ain't trying to. Walking with him in glory every single day. My point is death has no sting to the believer. Therefore, if it's got no sting, we should not be afraid. And we can walk in victory. Someone say amen. 
Almost done. Isaiah 61. Are y'all enjoying this so far? Good. Isaiah 61, verse 7. I love this. I love the message. Tra- Son, did you get the message translation for this? Good. So watch this. It says, because you got a double dose of trouble. Ooh. God sees. The books are laid out. He knows what you've been going through. Because you got a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy go on forever. Somebody say amen. God's got a plan to take what's been done wrong to you and turn it around, get it back, everything lost, and then double it for your trouble and bring you joy forever. I think the greatest pain of a Christian's life is to feel like God has abandoned you in the middle of your greatest battles. I say the reason why we feel that way is because fear grips us. Concern and grief grips us. And now we're like cut off from the spirit of God. And it's like it's, it's got us in a place where we're begging God and hoping and not getting much from him. we got to remove that, calm down, settle down, take a breath and go, oh, God, if you be for me, who can be against me? And, and you promise that you'll never leave me or forsake. I don't got to amp this up. I ain't got to have the, the team, uh, praise worship, you follow me around and make me get a goosebump. I, you're with me right now. And you love me. And God, you see everything in the books are opened. And you know what I've went through and what I'm going through. And there's no way you're going to leave me like this. God doesn't take you out, take you back. And he don't take you out to leave you there. He wants to bring you into the promised land. That three-day journey was all it was. Three days. They could have been the promised land. Three days. Instead, they walked around the mountain 40 years because fear gripped them. Anger gripped them. They allowed confusion and doubt and unbelief gripped them. And as a result of that, they were in their emotions. They continued to stay in that place of just wandering around the desert, around that mountain over and over again. But not so with you. Be the Joshua generation. That when Moses was taken out, Joshua, the leader, stands up and says, in three days... We shall get your provisions, get your stuff ready, for in three days we're going to go into the promised land. He prophesied that, and that's exactly what happened. So stand up in your family. I'm going to stand up in this church and say in three days you're going over. Stand up in your family and say in three days this is going to be done. It may not be exactly what you think, but you are on your way. Amen and amen. Y'all enjoy the message this morning? Come on.